0: Are Kyrie and James Harden going to sign their extension? His trade value is not there. And when you hear reports... He been paid $16 million of his $33 million salary. I know about people that have certain clauses what in their contracts. What happens contract. next year with Giannis Antetokounmpo? Oh, he will be eligible for a Superbacks next summer. If he resigns. signs oh, a new reality, the players are going to move. The players are, are, are not going to want to spend their whole, you know, life. And because they didn't want to go into the penalty of the luxury tax, they traded James Harden. Somebody's going to be making fifty million dollars to find a year. He probably could have made a little bit more money this summer in free agency. I think agency. he could have got a lot more in
1: the offseason when you got a chance to secure the bag. You, you CGI, man. no question.
0: What's going on, party people? This is another episode of the Bird Rights Podcast. My name is Stephen Bagel. I am here with a special guest today. The last few episodes, you guys have definitely heard me with Corbin Ford, just in terms of either emergency pods we have for the James Harden trade, for the Bradley Beal trade. I know I haven't been posting as much as I've, as frequently as I previously have. Life has obviously gotten away from me. And as you guys know, I've been um, running another podcast. that has been, you know, basically I have two episodes a week. The one and done podcast, which is a college basketball show. So, I am here today with, we kind of threw this together last minute, but I definitely wanted to do an OG and an OB emergency trade pod. So, I had the one person in mind, he was gracious enough on New Year's Eve to be one to come on with me last minute. His name is Chris LeBron, most famous for, obviously, the Off the Ball pod and Off the Ball network. Um, Chris, how are you doing today?
2: Dave, hey, what's going on, brother? Happy to be on, I know we threw this together, like. 20 minutes ago so but i'm already always down to talk basketball no matter the time or date so it's ready to rock a roll
0: so yeah obviously this is gonna be the last episode you guys hear before the new year um so yeah let, let's just break down this trade let's start with that so we had an og and an ob trade we always kind of figured he would be traded, maybe closer to the deadline but there was some speculation that the raptors were definitely gonna make a move but there was speculation were going to make a move last year. And instead of selling off guys, they actually ended up trading the first round pick this year, top six protected for Jacopoto. And they kind of went the opposite way. But mm-hmm. due to the fit and the emergence of Scotty Barnes, there was a lot of speculation that Pascal Siakam was a more likely guy to be traded of the two. Him and Ananobi both are going to be free agents this summer, assuming Ananobi opts out of his player option, which is almost assuredly going to happen.
2: It's guaranteed. Yeah.
0: Yeah, guaranteed. So with that said, Ananobi, you know, was maybe the guy Toronto wanted to keep with Scotty Barnes to fit, but I, I suppose the Knicks gave them an offer they can't refuse. Um, it is worth noting that the G League, um, when a showcase was a couple of weeks ago, and that's allegedly where most front office, well, every front office executive, yeah. GM get together and essentially, you know, um, talk trades, see what's out on the market you know, start meeting in person. This kind of, the start of trade season was that showcase. So we see the first big trade of the, obviously I know the James Harden trade happened mid-season as well, technically, but this, you know, was basically the beginning of the trade deadline, essentially. We saw O.J. Ananobi, Malachi Flynn, and Prestes Achua go to the Knicks for R.J. Barrett, Emmanuel Quickly, and a 2024 Pistons second round pick. So as of now, it's pick 31. It will still probably end up. If not pick 31, pick 32 or 33. A very early second round. Very round.
1: high, yeah. yeah.
0: So, good for the Knicks, first of all, for being able... I think they have eight tradable first-round picks right now. Good for them for being able to, you know, get an impact guy like Andy Noby, who they covered it last year at the deadline, I believe. Yes. Without, you know, having to trade any assets. I mean, obviously, Barrett is a young player. Quickly, on the rookies deal, so obviously an asset as well. That could have helped you playing to star, but they got OG Ananobi, and they still have firepower and ammo to go make another move. So, Chris, what was the first thing when you saw the Woj? I think Woj is the one who tweeted it first, actually. Um, what was, your as a Knicks guy and fan, and you cover the team, what was your overall sentiment of both I suppose a fan perspective and just like an NBA fan and a
1: Knicks fan, I suppose? As a As a Knicks fan,
2: I'll do that first. As a Knicks fan, I was, as much as I haven't been crazy about R.J. Barrett, uh, and I've I've said that on plenty of shows, I've just, I, I just felt like he wasn't, he wasn't fitting the timeline that we needed. And it's not that he was a bad player and all that. I think he was obviously on a good progression if he was on any other team, you know, but, we needed him to kind of step up as that third option. And it just didn't seem like that was ever going to, to happen. And, you know, so I, 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 with that, I was kind of like, you know, it sucks because the guy you drafted, especially at that off season, you know, that was a crazy off season and all that. And, you know, he was coming off a great season at Duke, you know, he was the number one player in you know, coming out of high school, you know, and all that. So he 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 was a, a great prospect and all that, but it just it just felt like you know he he was pre- he was getting better, but it just wasn't as fast as we kind of wanted it to be, especially with the emergence of Brunson and Randall doing his thing. So you know there was there was conflicting you know feelings as a Knicks fan. It's like I know it sucks to see a guy you drafted and and you know uh, get traded and all that and not quite work out the way you you wanted it to be, but you know I root for him when he goes to that goes to Toronto and hopefully, you know, him being back home, he'll he gets to uh, elevate his game and take it to the, that next level, which I still think there is some of that, you know, in his game. You know, so that, that kind of suck isn't it. But getting an O uh, you know, OG in the trade. Uh I've always I've always liked OG. I always think there's offensive offensive uh, potential with him, more upside than people may think, I think, because you know, but Pascal there, Scotty Barnes there. You know, we didn't really get to see it the way you know um you know the way we 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 probably should have but i think there is definitely a, a next level of uh offensive uh game that he has that we haven't seen yet that i'm really excited you know to see in new york so for that aspect i uh, you know i'm excited about losing quickly probably hurts more than losing rj for me quickly was my guy i really loved uh manuel quickly but it just you know uh we weren't going to re-sign him you know uh he wants to start it just didn't seem like you know with brunson there you know i know people want to start aside brunson but having a small lineup like that is is, is tough and all that so you know some conflicting feelings as a fan of the team but as as, you know and but as someone who covers the league you know i think this you know um if you're toronto this you should have done this last year where you maybe could have gotten some more picks for og and like same thing with 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 Pascal and all these guys, you know, Gary Trent, guys you you could have got probably significantly more, but you know, you just waited way too long. You know, uh Yaka Perto move never made sense for so for Toronto. It just, I just I don't know what Toronto was has been doing the last few years. they kind of just running through the mud and all that. But you know, overall I think it's a it was a good trade for the Knicks. I think it makes us better, you know, uh gives us a wing player that we desperately needed. Desperately needed, you know, so um you know, and OG will get to play some more natural three, you know, and I think that's where we'd be more comfortable. And I expect, you know, to see some pretty good things and all that. And I still think the Knicks are not done yet. They're definitely not done yet. Like I said, didn't give away. We just gave up a second round pick. Yeah, it was a high second round pick, but it still is a second round pick. So it's, we still got all our first round picks. And if we got to, you know, I still feel like they're, they're, they're going to make another move, you know. So I'm waiting. I'm, I got my phone on lock. I'm just waiting because I feel like something's going to happen because I, I didn't quite expect this to happen, this move. You know, cause I was in the car, I'm you know, and then boom, I get the alert and everyone's hitting me up. Yo, you see what happened, you know all that. So it kind of came out of you know, I wasn't expecting it, but you know, I felt like they were gonna make some type of move. But, you know, uh it's uh you know, a little bit it sucks losing an RJ and IQ, but you know, it felt like it's necessary to take that next step. So uh, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing how this works.
0: Yeah, definitely. And in terms of you just talked about you in terms of, like, needing that big wing defender, I think every contender, every NBA team, could use that big wing defender to, you know, really make an impact, especially, like, let's say you end up being the four seed the next, or even the five, just like they were last year, and end up winning the first playoff series. You have nobody to cover Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown, essentially, before this trade. Now, it's like, oh, yeah, he could, he's an okay wing defender, but, like, He's not like switchable like OG. It's like OG could switch from mm-hmm. Tatum to Brown to exactly, Derek
1: yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And that's what today's NBA is: is switchability. And there's very few guys in the league who could do that as well as OG can do that.
1: Mm-hmm. Even with
0: as well, um, he yeah. could cover five in sports. So yeah, that's I feel like not really being discussed in terms of how important that is. And yeah, so. First, let's real quick break down the Raptors' aspect of this, because I definitely don't want to neglect that. So the Raptors, as we said, may not have their own first-round pick. They owe it to the Spurs' top six protected from the Yakapoto trade last year. They did get, most likely, either pick 31 or 32 in the draft, which was the Pistons' first-round pick from the Knicks. I think what this came down to is that the Raptors didn't want to totally bottom out. I mean, I'm a Sixers fan, and I was a bit prominent of, okay, the one guy, like, after they got the ammo from the Clippers and the Harden deal— I said, okay, well, they have the salary matching ability now and they have the picks to trade for another guy alongside Embiid and Maxi to be number three. Sure, it could be Zach Levine, but, like, they want to preserve the cap space this summer anyway. Exactly, yeah. So OG was kind of the guy that a lot of Sixers fans were circling as the, guy, as the target they wanted. Mm-hmm. Given what Toronto asked for in terms of quickly and Barrett, it was never going to be Philly. Because clearly they want to bottom out. They wanted, okay, sure, they got the point guard in quickly. They got a guy who's not only a starter in the league in terms of his offense production, R.J. Barrett, but he's from he's from the Six. He's literally from Toronto, R.J. Barrett. Yep. His, dad, his dad is a president of Canadian basketball. Essentially. <laughs> and could
1: that's
0: something that? the Sixers just could not top.
1: Nah. And that's
0: not something almost any team could top. Two young guys that give more depth, that help you not bottom out, but still make sense for what the Raptors were trying to accomplish. So that's why, even though the Nixon Raptors, I believe, are currently in a lawsuit against each
1: other over intellectual property, they still found a way to get this done because it just made sense to what both teams wanted. Okay. Now in terms of quickly... I believe it was Sam
0: Vecini on The Athletic. Basically, he wrote an article yesterday saying that this may go down under there as the Emanuel
1: I agree.
0: How would, again, you have Jalen Brunson. over there. It's not that big of a deal. I mean, it's a huge deal to lose quickly. He was running up for six million a year last year, but he was never going to break out on the Knicks. And as you said, nah. the Knicks were never going to pay. I believe it was reported he wanted up to $25 million a year on the new. He was restricted, so he couldn't match whatever he got. But if he wanted it, starting at $25 million a year, which the next one never going to pay, Nah. So even if he breaks out in Toronto and he's at least a professional, I mean, you can't worry about that as a Knicks
1: player. Nah.
2: No. So yeah, it might go can. down as a
0: trade. But it might go down as Eugene and an OB
1: trade,
2: too. So it could still go down as the RJ Barrett trade. I still think RJ I think it was RJ was in a tough spot, you know, you know, being in New York. There was there was a lot of pressure for him, especially, you know, coming out of the draft, and then just you know, when you're a top three pick, there's a lot of expectations people expect. Right? They expect you to be an all star caliber player, and they want you to develop really quick. And it wasn't that he wasn't, and I mentioned before, like that he wasn't getting better, you know, per se, like, because you know, we've seen guys, you know, who have been all-stars, you know, later, like when they get to their mid-20s and all that. And I, and I wouldn't have shocked me if that happened to RJ. He just, you know, maybe it's just a progressively slower process for him. And, but being in New York with the way we kind of, you know, uh, progressed you know where we were going you know with the team with Brunson like I said I Brunson and then all that we kind of wanted to we couldn't really wait for him to progress to get better than all that and we kind of needed and him being a third option now that it's it's tough when you're essentially you know you're you're a corner three-point shooter you know and you don't have those many opportunities to, to take the have the ball in your hand and make a play and all that or, and be that guy so he's not a corner three-point shooter It's just not the case. So it just his role and all that. And he had dealt with with some injuries, the migraine and all that. And he hasn't been good since the migraine happened. And I kind of felt like they've kind of been soured on RJ Glass. Because remember, you know, with the Donovan Mitchell trade, he was in those trade discussions with Donovan Mitchell last season. So I I just felt like they they saw, you know, know, uh, an opportunity to get the player like and and not give up probably the picks too and all that. You know, um, they added R.J. and all that, so I felt like that was in consideration too. But you know, it, it 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 stinks. But I still think R.J. can be a guy that could get you can be a 22 point per game scorer in the league and 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 uh, with you know with Scotty and I, and I'm assuming they're gonna, they're probably gonna trade Pascal. I, I I feel like that's gonna happen. So he's gonna have an opportunity to really showcase with him Scotty, and then I.Q. So you know he may be able to to do some pretty good things in in Toronto and and shown that they, you know, that their rebuild might not be as long, may take as long because they have a nice piece. And he's still young. What is he, 22, 23 years old? So we can't really count him out fully because, like I said, you, you know this, Steve. We've seen plenty of guys, you know, take off after, you know, 23, 24, 25, you know, that we probably counted out. So, you know, we can't fully count him out. So he still could be the R.J. Barrett trade, but I think IQ takes is going to take a massive step. I think we're going to see a different IQ that, we didn't we saw him spurts in New York, but we really fully couldn't see because obviously Brunson was ahead of him, so you know uh iQs should be able he he's he, he's going to make the Knicks pay you know in his mind, so uh, I think this is definitely going to be a good spot for iQ to really do some really good things and show that he's a hundred million dollar player
1: So let's talk about two aspects of this. The first aspect is, I still
0: think. Coming into this year, I did a podcast saying the Knicks, as constructed with when Quentin Grimes was starting, I said a bench of Emmanuel Quickly, Josh Hart, Dante DiVincenzo, and Isaiah Hardenstein is the deepest bench in the NBA. Obviously, now Miss Robinson's out for the year, so Hardenstein had to be a starter, and Grimes hasn't quite panned out the way we thought he would. So, Chenzo starting, but either way, and now obviously you lost IQ coming off the bench. That leads me to this question. And we might have got the answer based off the Deuce McBride extension yesterday.
1: Yeah.
0: Who is... We know the Knicks have some moves after them. They have eight tradable first. They have Evan Fournier's expiring that Man, they could... That's the one. Matching. And... So... My two points are the first one is who's going to be the backup point guard, and I have one, two, three, four, five to six potential options that we're going to discuss that the Knicks could trade for, and then we're going to talk about who's the big fish they could land in terms of whether it's Donovan Mitchell, I believe it was Mike Skoto from Hoops Hype said they saw interest in DeJounte Murray. I know the Knicks have interest in Joel Embiid, even though it doesn't seem like he's going to be available
2: anymore. Yeah, soon. That's, that's a pipe dream now, yeah.
0: <laughs> so let's start with the backup point guard potential trades. The first one I have that I put together, basically all these essentially would involve Evan Fournier. And it would have the Knicks getting a little bit of depth, depth back, either a backup point guard and a player, or an upgrade, a major upgrade to Fournier on a similar contracts. So the first one I have is with the Detroit Pistons. They'd get Monte Morris and Alec Burks for Fournier and whatever draft compensation would be. I don't think it would take a first. It'd probably be multiple seconds.
1: Probably. But
0: maybe the maybe the Pistons would want a first if they're giving up both those guys on expirings and getting four. I don't know. So what do you think about that one? Monte Morris and Alec. Obviously, you guys have experience
2: with Alec Burks. I'm out on Alex Burks. I know. I don't think he's a. I, he had moments with the, when he was on the Knicks and all that. Even had some moments earlier in the season with Detroit, but he is—he's been bad. <laughs> he's been bad. I mean, I was watching the game uh, where they blew the twenty or the play ball, when they played Boston the other night. Yeah, he cost them the game. The streak should have been over that game because he just is just taking bad shots. I don't. We don't. I don't. Uh, Alex Burks, you know, he's shooting thirty-five percent from the field, I think, and he—he he just. It was a it was fun when we had him when he was in New York, but I, I don't think adding Alex Burks is going to do much for us, you know. Uh, and Monty Morris is solid and all that, but Alex Burks and and then potentially giving up a first round pick for those two guys, I would rather just stick with Deuce McBride and and uh, and and Flint and Malachi if that's the case, and just and rock with those two guys and see what happens, you know. Even though they're not the ideal backup, you know, point guards. You know, Malachi's solid. He has moments and all that. And, you know, and, and uh, Deuce, you know, can bring some toughness on defense and all that. Doesn't have the ball handling or scoring ability. But I'd rather rock with that than give away, you know, picks to get Alex Burks and Monte Morris at this point of their careers.
0: So then let's shift gears to Washington. DeLone Wright and let's say Danilo Gallinari
1: for having Fournier, and then same thing, whatever second round picks you need to throw.
2: Gallo would add, a, a you know, a wing who could shoot the ball even at this point of his career. So that that could be intriguing and all that. But what would the Knicks give up in that in that scenario?
0: Well, I have Fournier as a salary matching, oh,
2: and no, then I don't.
0: can't imagine it taking a first round pick for the. I mean, Gallinari is negative value even though he's an expiring, yeah. and then DeLone Wright is really okay. Do you need, want to back a point all that badly? that you give up two to three second rounders for those two,
1: essentially. Uh,
2: maybe you know that that's one I would maybe think about. You know, um, I, I would think about that. I wouldn't be. I'm not crazy about it, but the long right is a solid, uh, solid backup. You know, at this point of his career, that wouldn't that wouldn't be too bad. But uh, and he has a, He's not. A, I don't know if he's. Is he expiring too?
0: i believe the one right also expiring
2: yeah i think he's like a nine million dollar guy or something like that but that, that that could be something that could be something so
0: then what about san antonio there was speculation they actually wanted evan fournier earlier this all season because of his connection with Wemby.
1: yeah
0: let's say it's Fournier and one second round pick whichever one is negotiated for mm-hmm. jenny osman and Devontae graham that gives you a wing a that gives you steady... a
2: wing. I don't know, Devontae Graham at this point, he's kind of, it's like Alex Burks in a way too. Like he's just an yeah. inefficient backup point guard. And I just don't think is, I don't think that's something we, we need. We, we kind of need someone who kind of a floor general. Cause like as much as I love Brunson, he's not really that, that, that guy, you know, as far as being you know, a true floor general. And I feel like, you know, if you have a scoring type of point guard as your number one guy, I feel like your a point guard needs to be kind of like a floor general, and I don't see that with uh, Devonte Graham. You know, uh, so I, I would, I would stay away from that.
0: So I save the two best for last before we get to like the star that the next could potentially trade for. We could go back to Washington. What about Tyus Jones?
2: See that I would be intrigued with.
1: Okay, so that-
2: that's that's a point guard backup, a really good backup point guard that. and get guys in that second unit really going and all that and like like a floor general that i would love yeah that would be i i wouldn't mind that
1: so that would
0: probably cost one of the knicks first that would definitely cost him because i believe they essentially gave up a first to get him in the three-teamer then what about malcolm drogden he's in portland he basically has scoot henderson coming off the bench right now because he's been starting over him Yeah, but i mean is that more appealing than tyus jones
2: or no i mean malcolm brogdon when he's healthy is that's a a hell of a an upgrade you know that you want but what does it cost that that's would be the number one thing because you know this is a guy who's sixth man of the year and all that and still is a very very good player and you know do you run into the same stuff With like quickly because he wants to start because he is a starter you really you know even though he he is six man he is a starting caliber guard but it would be a good fit because you know you you get the the iq minutes you know you get the same kind of same production of iq and all that in a way you know but you do have the injury stuff that is a big that is there (laughs) you know so and the, the knicks are dealing with injuries you know, so do you want to add a guy who's kind of injury prone and all that? If if the price is right, then you entertain it. But that that's my thing is is the injury stuff because he 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 just he's just always hurt. He's a great player, great player when he's not, but he's always hurt. So that 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 one intrigues me though because he would, he would definitely help a lot. But
0: yeah, those are the two I figured Tosh Jones and Brogdon would be the two
1: that. You know, it gets you the most excited. But in terms of a star to acquire,
0: I feel like, and it, I believe it was Sam Vicini on the Game Theory podcast, him and his guest had, they broke down their OGN and OB trade, and they said, this Knicks team, and I could see this. If, like, they get, like, a, I don't know, let's just throw Donovan Mitchell out there because there's some speculation about him being new. And there's obviously been interest from New York previously, and mutual interest between the two of them. So if it's Donovan Mitchell, I don't know if Mitchell a core of Mitchell, Brunson, Ananobi, and Randall is good enough to win a championship. But in the event that it is, it would have like a 2004 Detroit Pistons type vibe to it. In terms of like, if you look back just in general history of the NBA, every team to win a championship has a... Top, I say top 10 player in the league at that time on their roster, or like a top, I don't know, 75 all time player on their roster as like the best player on a championship. Before, team. Yeah. The Knicks wouldn't, every team basically except that 2004 Detroit
1: Pistons team. Mm-hmm.
0: The Knicks would kind of have a similar thing that, like, okay, well, this
1: so the two names I'm the three names I'm thinking
0: of Donovan Mitchell, DeJounte Murray, and Mikhail Bridges. Are any of these guys good enough to push the next book the edge to where they need to be?
2: I don't think so, to be quite honest. Because Even if you add those, either one of those guys, it helps. I think it definitely upgrades the Knicks. But I don't still think they're better than Milwaukee. I don't think they're better than Boston. I don't even think they're better than the Sixers. So,
1: yes, they they are better, but they're
2: still not better than the team they need to be better than, if that makes sense. You know, so you would have to change your identity. If you go get DeJounte Murray, you're going to have to be like, all right, we're going to have to play really good defense. We can't let anyone get to the paint because we have no rim we have no rim protection because we don't have Mitchell Robinson who's out for a season. So we're going to have the guys to make sure that we just lock up, you know, anyone going into the paint because if they do get into the paint, it's going to be food because they're just going to score at will because that's what's been happening lately with the Knicks cuz they have no so uh you're gonna have to lock a perimeter and all that. With Donovan, you're gonna have a yeah. The scoring is gonna be there, but you're gonna have two six foot one guys as your backcourt, and that's just not ideal. Yeah, they're both you know twenty five point per game scorers, but they're also gonna be giving up a lot of points. And and now with no Mitchell Robinson, you don't have that security net behind you. You know, yeah, you have OG, you know, that'll help, but he can't stop everybody. And I don't know if you watched Knicks game, but they've been getting up a lot of points because they can't stop anyone and go, you know, from the rim, especially with Mitch Robinson out and Ohio is Horstein oh, is all we got right now. And he's not, he's not a rim protector, you know, and he's getting in foul trouble. And now we, and we're relying on Todd Gibson, you know, <laughs> to, you know, and at age, whatever, 38, and that's not ideal. You know, even when we had Jericho Sims, he's not a shot blocker. And sometimes he doesn't even know how to play basketball, you know, it feels like. So, um, Dejounte would be interesting, you know, um, cause he's, he, he's a bigger guard and all that, you know, so as much as I know Knicks fans want to like make another move and all that, do we just make moves to make moves because Leon's kind of feeling pressure? Do you want that to happen just to make moves? And then we're still in the same spot. I know that, that like everyone we get linked to all these stars but I, none, I don't think none of that's realistic and all that so if you want your identity to be all right we're gonna have og and dejounte murray and we're just gonna lock up and and have you know G, uh randall and, and brunson just take over offensively then i mean that's a move you can make it'll probably be costly all these moves are maybe going to be very costly too so are you going to trade all your assets a lot of your assets to be to still be in the same spot as last year be a second-round team because you're just not going to be better than the teams that you need to be better than. So that, that's a move, you know, that's something the Knicks are going to think about. But I do feel like the front office is starting to feel some type of pressure because I feel like they're, they're stuck. And that can, that can be a bad spot to be at
1: times. Yeah, I mean, in terms of the defense, DeJounte Murray, I think, would help that. Donovan Mitchell yes. would not.
0: I mean, if you not have Donovan Mitchell and Jalen Brunson as your backcourt, you need good rim protection. Like, the, the way – I wouldn't say it worked, but the way Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland sort of worked in Cleveland so far is because they have Jared Allen and Evan Mobley protecting the rim.
2: And and think about it. It's not even working the way they thought it would work.
0: Yeah,
1: exactly.
2: You know? So, like, because they got bounced in the first round by the Knicks. So, it's like it's not working the way he wanted to. So, if you're in New York, you have, kind of have to look. It's like, wait that they kind of built the team the way you should around a Donovan Mitch when you have a smaller backcourt and it didn't work. So what makes you think it's going to work with an even smaller backcourt mate and we have no rim protection now with Mitchell Robinson, you know?
0: But even for like next year when Mitch Robinson's back, I mean, is that something that could then work? Like a Donovan Mitchell, Jalen Brunson backcourt with Ananobi Randall and Mitch Robinson, or even so, does that scare you?
2: It's still like uh it's still, still yeah. have, doesn't have me too. Like you said, you 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 need that top seventy five guy kind of guy. You know, it's like I don't think this is. I know, and I've heard people talk. Oh well, yeah, maybe you try to be like those. It's like, but yeah, but those Pistons teams was different. I mean, Ben Wallace is a Hall of Famer. Rasheed Wallace probably should be, have better stats than what he 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 had. Like he was a lot better player than his stats showed, right? You know, Rip Hamilton is you know really good. Chauncey Bills, borderline Hall of Fame point guard. Like they had Hall of Fame level point and uh, players and a Hall of Fame level coach too. That so that helps.
0: Team I would say had they didn't have any top ten guys, but they probably had four guys between like the eleventh and twenty fifth best guy in the NBA.
2: Yeah. Yeah, so
1: like,
2: exactly. Yeah, okay. exactly. So, like, if it was that level, then I'd be like, yeah, let's rock out with that. But I, I wouldn't see that. So I, I think the Knicks are in a, in a tough spot where it, it's – listen, as a Knicks fan, it's better than it was, you know, pre-2019, right, where it was 60 lost seasons and all that. But you do want to eventually see us, you know, as we're, you know, we show that we've we become a competent team all right, what we are going to do to take that next step? And listen, I, it always comes down to me is how they handled the draft in previous years, and it's kind of why they're in this situation now. As you know, I love the draft and all that, and they're, they've missed on a lot of guys. And listen, we just traded the number three pick we drafted 2019. We we don't have a good track record with our first-round picks and an IQ. And we just traded Obi Toppin, who we drafted 2020, top 10 iq same draft traded you know so we don't have a good track record and when you're constantly trading away your draft picks or you're missing eventually it's going to come back to bite you and i've been selling this to people to Knicks fans and i'm like it's going to come a point where you can't you can't keep overcoming that and it might be that point where we can't overcome missing on draft picks constantly and trading away draft picks so I feel like it's 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 coming it's coming full circle and it could be a bad point it, it could get and I, and it makes me sick to even think about it but missing on draft picks it's finally coming it's finally coming to a head and it and I feel like it's 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 really going to show now and, and I think it's that's the tough part because relying on getting other players from other teams it doesn't work for everyone you know as we've seen it doesn't work all the time you don't have, if you're not building around with great draft picks around it. So it, it just feels like the Knicks, the constant blunders in the draft is, is coming back to, to bite them in the butt. And it, it could be scary right now because now they have to do, they have to trade for other guys, players and all that. And, you know, I think the way to win championships is building around your own guys. And the Knicks just haven't shown that they can do that the proper way. And it's it's disappointing on that aspect. Like, they've missed a lot, Steve. Like, yeah, just no, think they, about, they've they, missed a lot.
0: What was the stat, that they didn't have anybody sign the second?
2: Charlie or- Ward was the last. Before before yeah. Mitchell Robinson, and he was a second-round pick. Think about it. He was a second-round pick. Before that, it was Charlie Ward. Yeah. Think about it. It was like 1994. Well, he was a football player, too. Like, 1994, I believe, he was drafted. You know, so, like, think about how long that is. You, yeah. Before you sign, re and R.J. Barrett, we used to re-sign too. But guess what? He just got traded after, after you know, re-signing him last year. You know, so you know, which which kind of which kind of puzzles me why they even would re-sign him if you kind of knew you weren't, you know, all in on him. Probably should have thought about, but it just feels like, you know, uh, it, it, it's, it's going to come back to bite him in the butt. And I've said this for years you have to be, you can't keep missing on picks and not eventually come back to bite you in the butt. And it, it, it's happening. I mean, they just have not drafted well at all. And I'm not saying I know everything about the draft, but if they would listen to me, Steve, they, we would we, we could be in a lot better position and all that, but it, it's unfortunate. And this is what happens when you when you keep missing on your picks, you're going to have to, now you got to reach for other guys and all that. Try to, And now you have a desperate, you kind of have a desperate front office. And sometimes they make a rational move when you're desperate. So, you know, I I do like the OG move, but hopefully it doesn't lead to, you know, some other irrational moves that kind of puts us back, you know, sets us back, you know, uh, and, and puts us back in those nasty years that we had. Hopefully it doesn't lead to that, but we'll see what happens.
0: So the next point I had was where exactly are the Knicks in the Eastern Conference hierarchy? But I feel like you kind of answered that a little bit. I yeah. agree. They're not the um, box or the Celtics level. I don't think they're quite the Sixers level yet. But do you think they're the clear number four now in the
2: East? All right, so you got Boston, Milwaukee, Sixers.
1: I think it comes down to probably with Cleveland's
0: injuries, it probably comes down to the Knicks or Miami for that next like tier of teams.
2: Knicks, Miami. I mean, they got Knicks, Miami, Pacers, the Magic. I mean, the Magic just thumped us the other night, you mm-hmm. know, by just attacking the paint and all that. So, I mean, I know Orlando's young, but uh, you know, their youth is the only thing that would stop. But they're they're really good though. Yeah. Franz is good. Like, I if you if you told me they're better than the Knicks right now and you put them ahead of the Knicks, I wouldn't be mad at that. I wouldn't be mad because they're, they also have some depth too. So, and they, they got, they got pieces to, to make a move too, if they want to, you know, so, um, yeah, I would, man, I think I put, yeah, I think they were in that next step right now. I mean, with the OG trade, I think, yeah, I would say they're like in that four to five range, but I feel like that was kind of where they were before that too, in, in that range and all that, you know, um. The Pacers, I mean, defensively, the Pacers are just yes. horrid, yeah. <laughs> you know. But their offense is, they they could smoke you, you know. They could give you, they could drop a buck fifty on you, and and it's sometimes that's tough to overcome, you know. But um, yeah, I guess they're in that tier. I mean, Miami is Miami, <laughs> you know, you know they. they Miami and
0: Atlanta are still four.
2: It doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah yeah I mean they beat us last year in the playoffs, and I thought we were, I actually thought we were going to win that series yeah, Cause we 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 played them well we out rebounded and we dominated them on the boards in the regular season, and we had a game against them before the playoffs like a couple weeks before the playoffs uh, started, and we dominated them with jimmy jimmy we 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 neutralized Jimmy, I thought all right, we beat them three out of four, but you know they're always going to be miami and and all that, but yeah, I guess they're in that tier, but if you're not in that if you're if you're not close to beating those top three teams it's going to be the same result again you know so you know uh yeah i guess they're in that that four or five they're in that four or five range four five six range
0: so then the last thing i'm going to mention before we conclude this episode is the fact that og and Obi's agents is leon rose's son
1: mm-hmm. so
0: what does that mean that means that OG Ananobi, as we talked about, is likely going to opt out of his $20 million player option this year. And the Knicks must feel pretty confident that they're gonna keep him. Um I I actually don't know exactly the tampering rules when, you know, the father is the executive, the son's the agent, and they could talk about whatever behind closed doors at family dinner, and we'll never know.
2: Yeah. I'm sure there's a way to get around it.
0: Yeah, there's always a way. There's only been what four teams in the history of the NBA that would really hit for tampering when guys yeah. are signing at midnight, the night of, July? of course.
2: Yeah, this tampering stuff is always crazy. Like, you know, deals are be, like how many times we see 1201 and this guy just signed four years, 70. Yeah. Like, we know that didn't happen in a minute. We know that happened. The
0: only time <laughs> I believe that happened in a minute at 1201 on July 1st is when DeAndre Jordan initially signed with the Nuggets. Because he was on the Sixers the year before and the Lakers bought him out. He was so right, bad. Right, right. I said, Yeah, I get the veteran leadership thing, but no one's going gonna... to. I truly believe the Nuggets could have called DeAndre Jordan at 1201 for said, Hey, we'll offer you a minimum guaranteed. And he took it right away because he didn't think he was going to get anything. That was the yeah. only time where I said, Okay, maybe 1201, this one wasn't tampering. But either way, the sentiment holds true that um mm-hmm. tampering's always going on. So. The Knicks have basically two options here, and OG basically has two options. Option one is to two realistic options. The third is you could do um an extension through a renegotiation, but the Knicks I don't think have the cap space to do that, and OG would get substantially less money than he would in the open market, so that one's not mm-hmm. too feasible. It's, it's similar to what the Pacers did with um Myles Turner last year. But... You have to wait six months to sign a guy to extension that you just traded for. That's why this trade happened yesterday because free agency yeah. opens July 1st. So yeah, by I doing it yesterday, six months from now is June 30th. June 30th, mm-hmm. excuse me. That if this did not happen the way it did yesterday, the Knicks would not have had an option to extend OG before hitting the open market.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So I, I sure just want to. I just want to drill that in listeners' heads. That's why this happened when it happened. The Knicks most likely pushed that if we want to extend him before we even hit free agency, we need this trade done today and completed by today through the league office. So that's mm-hmm. why this happened the way it happened. So as a result, given the trade was finalized yesterday, on June 30th, OG could sign a four-year extension with the Knicks Which would be 140% pursuant to the new CBA of his current salary with 8% raises. That equals about four years, $117 million.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So that, let me do the quick math. That's about $29.2 million a year average. So you think, okay, is that going to be enough for Oju? Is he going to want more? In the event he wants more to test you, even if he says, okay, I want to be a Nick. He could still hit the open market and make more money than signing that extension. Let's say, okay, I want, I want to start at $30 million a year with 8% increases each year. Then he could hit the open market. In free agency, he opts out of his player option, and he could earn starting at $42.6 million, theoretically, for his full max. And he could get a fifth year. On the extension, he can only extend for up to four years. If he waits, he,
1: he waits could get, get it from the
0: Because they own his bird rates. I think, personally, they'll meet somewhere in the middle. I think it's similar to what I said. Instead of the 29.2 annual on the extension, it could be that. But I think you could say, okay, fine. Start me at $30 million a year with the fifth year, and then we have a deal. And it gets done shortly before he even gets the opportunity to talk with another team. How squeamish does that make you? Paying a non All-Star guy at least thirty million
2: dollars a year. Very. Okay. Very. You know, because remember, we got to pay Brunson. Brunson's yep. going to be up for an extension, uh, so, and you, you can't, you can't have, uh, especially how how much Brunson's outplayed his contract. I mean, and you know, you, you can't pay him more than Brunson and all that. Uh, and to have a big three like that, that's. Like our version, our big three version, you know, that that could be not great and all that. So, and then like I know he said he wants like forty million plus. I mean that's kind of that's wild. It's kind of wild, you know. You know, um, yeah, I don't know. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. We we got to see how it plays out, how the fit, how his fit is with this team. I think he'll fit in uh, relatively good, but how good? We'll see. Uh, I think if it goes the way we expect it, where he's where he's playing, you know, a little bit better than he was, you know, with Toronto because it's just a better team. that we have, and he's averaging around 19, 20, you know, and, and playing really good defense. I could see him in that 30 million dollar range, but with the way the cap is going, with the new TV deals and all that yeah he's probably gonna want 35 40 million dollars in open market so i mean i'm sure the knicks would like to lock him up right now for that four for 117 that would sound like a bargain right now but that's probably not gonna happen he's gonna probably gonna go into free agency you know um but uh, yeah that's gonna be interesting it's really gonna stick do you pay you know do you have a big three of randall brunson you know a, a, an og making 30 plus million dollar it's it's going to be interesting. And you're already playing Josh Hart. You just paid D Vincenzo. You just paid Mitchell Robinson. Is that a core of guys who you just paid a lot of money to? You know, is, do you feel like that's going to lead you to a championship? And I don't think so. I don't think so, but, you know, I don't know what else is out there. So there's, this is, like I said before, it's, it's, the Knicks are in kind of a tough spot. They're kind of stuck in neutral and they don't know which way to go, and they're starting to feel it. They're starting to feel the pressure, and th- this is this is where this is where front offices are, uh, you know, make a break, and this is where Leon Rose is going to earn that paycheck, you know, because it's either he's going to figure a way to get this team to that next level, or they go in reverse, and then now things things start to happen, and things start to get really. And as a Knicks fan, it, it really puts a knot in my stomach because I'm kind of like, I'm kind of stressed because I'm like, I know we need to make moves and I like the OG move, but it's like, all right, like, okay, I still don't know the direction of this franchise. I don't know which way we're going. I, I don't know, you know, because what if it, it goes south? What if it goes south? What if it goes south and everything goes bad? Because listen, we are the Knicks. So that that's not a crazy thought. Then what? These are a lot of things that, Knicks fans are still trying to figure out and all that um, because it's just still confusing what's going on. Still confusing.
0: Well, that's why I think the Knicks kind of need to make one more move, like we discussed. Like, I'd say, like a pretty big move because Fournier, he's expi He's de facto expiring. He is a team option next year.
1: Yeah, but he's
0: to. In the event, like if they think they could flip him next year, they could just pick up the team option and then use him basically a salary match a deal. Mm-hmm. But if you don't do that, you got you only have that matching contract this year. Yeah. Like if you let Fournier, if you decline his contract and you go into next year, and then all of a sudden you want to get Donovan Mitchell, you're gonna to have to give up OG or Randall or Mitch, you're gonna have Randall, to give up yeah. to make the salaries work. That's why it's so urgent with the Knicks with Fournier's contract on the books. It's kind of essential for them. The clock is ticking in that aspect of they got to trade for a star by the stub line. With that yeah, and
2: that's, and that's, like I said, when you're desperate, you can make some moves. And I don't think any of the moves that potentially they would make would be like crazy, you know, oh, my God, why'd they do that? But when you're feeling it, you're going to make some moves. So that's why I feel like a move will be made. I feel like they will get someone, you know. Um, but it doesn't mean that they, whoever they get, that it's going to push them past, you know, your Sixers, your Buck, the Bucks, you know. Um, and what's the other thing I'm thinking about? I'm blanking out. Uh, but it's the Celtics. So do you want to have an expensive team that's hitting the luxury tax and your second-round team? You know, those are things you you, uh, you 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 ponder as if you're in the Knicks front office. But also, we also have to think this Knicks front office might not be here next year. So they don't really care. They're not that invested like you are as a fan and all that. So you you know we we you know Steve, we've seen front offices make some some of the craziest moves. You know, and you're like it doesn't make sense. But when you're kind of feeling the pressure and this might you might get your your job's on the line, you make moves. You're like, hey either I make this move and I, like Masai. Masai made the move of the, of the of the decade, you know, ending the decade of the 2010s with getting Kawhi. And that kind of bought him probably a few more years because there were some years, you know, the last few years I've been kind of disappointed in. But he made the move of the lifetime that saved his job, you know, and got him extension and got him coveted by other teams wanting to have him as their So Leon's feeling it. I do think there's going to be another move, big move made. You know, um, a significant move like the three we just talked about before. I think one of those guys, uh, I, I believe, will be a Nick. So I feel like they're going to do some because they kind of feel like they have to. Does it, like I said, does it make them better than the t- top three teams ahead of them? No, but you got to try something because... This this thing of all oh, there's a star in the you know for the Knicks I don't see that star there's no like if you're talking about superstar level player there's none that I think is truly available until you wait to the off season but I feel like you know there might not be an off season for Leon and company so they are like who ca- Eric, we can't wait we got to make something happen now and all that and then we worry about the off season and the off season so it's it's interesting times in New York right now and it's kind of it it has you. I'm pins and needles right now because you just you're, you're, this is a crucial point with the franchise right now because this is a massive year because it, it's going to take us a, either a step closer to where we want to be and be in a, a conference finals team and with a shot to get to the finals or it's, we're going to be regressing a play-in team out and then like, oh my God, we might have to blow this thing up possibly and then start over in the next few – be where Toronto was and like maybe just keep – putting band-aids on it and it's like, yeah, guys, we can't keep doing that. We just got to, you know, we got to, we got we, we to let it go. So it's, it's, it's a tough time right now. It's, you know, there's been worse times as Knicks, but it's a, definitely a crucial point, you know, for the New York Knicks franchise right now. So it has a lot of Knicks fans very tense right now.
0: So the last two points I'll add, just stemming off what you just said, in terms of GMs making moves just because they think their job's on the line, they're not going to be there anyway. Look at Raphael Stone in Houston. I mean, Houston was doing a good job with the rebuild and their ownership's impatient because their owner is uh, – I'm not a big fan of their ownership. And then, okay, mm-hmm. let's sign Fred Van Vliet, let's sign Dylan Brooks. Let's make these moves to expedite a rebuild that was going
1: well.
2: I thought so too. like I know they had some immaturity with some young players, but getting Eme in there was going to level that up. Um, and listen, I get you want to get better quick, you know, but it doesn't it may look good now, but long term it might may not be, so yeah, I, I wish you were there.
0: shedded money anticipating Sonny Brook Lopez. And Brook Lopez basically spurred the last yeah.
2: second to go back to mobile. Which, I imagine if they added, that would have messed up Sengun's progression. And That's exactly what I was just going to say. And why would you do that? Why would you do that just to, like I said, put a Band-Aid on something to try to be competitive, a play-in team maybe this year, when you have a potential, a, maybe a, a, a star player in the making, and, and he's already – he might be, he could He's a borderline all star this year. If you had a Brooke, look, that 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 messes up everything. And we don't see the Sangoon that people are like, oh, wow, this kid, this guy's going to be real. he could be like we're getting joker comparisons because this some of his passing stuff. is like, wow, it's, imagine if you do that. And then that's what I was d- disappointed when, you know, the Brook because I felt like that was going to mess up um, with, with Smith and all that. As like, I and mean, then it kind of has, you know, that. So, and, and then when they just took a guy top four, they took Thompson in top four and then they had, you know, Fred Van Bleet, you know, so it, I get they needed to spend the money too, because they had a, a crazy little cap. but you know, it looks good now, but long term it could it could uh mess up some of their with the young guys and on GC Jalen Green has kind of regressed and all that. So, you know, but making irrational moves, if you ha- if you have a if you're a fan of a team and your team is in that where you're you know your, your team is stuck in the middle and you're like, ah, uh, you should be worried. You should be really worried because it, it's scary because if you have a GM that's just trying to do stuff because to save their job and you're a fan of that team, you should be, you should be on the edge right now because either they're, they're going to, everyone thinks they can make that a move, but not every, that's a once in a lifetime thing, <laughs> Steve, right? That happens once in a generation where you make that, that transitional move, that, Get you from being there, and then your championship. It doesn't happen all the time. So, like I said, for Knicks fans, we're we're a little bit on a uh, we're a little bit on edge right now.
0: So the the last point I'll make is what I guess it was two off seasons ago. Now I was concerned for three teams who put their chips in and made big moves when I thought they weren't quite ready to do that. The Atlanta Hawks when they traded for Dejounte Murray. The Cleveland Cavaliers when they traded for Donovan Mitchell and the Minnesota Timberwolves, when they traded for Rudy Gobert. All three of them, mm-hmm. I said, those teams are not ready to make a move like this. Yeah. So far for Atlanta, it looks like I was right. For Cleveland, as good as they were last year, they already might be trading Mitchell, so that one might
2: trade Mitchell yeah.
0: And Minnesota, the one that got clowned the most because of how much they gave it, up. It. Maybe I think that it works out for ironically For not. now.
2: Yeah. They've had a good schedule and all that. It's working for now, but what we're going to see in the power works in the playoffs. That's yeah. the biggest thing. So but we still got to wait, but they have there. Number one seed. They're playing really good defensively. They look good. Even they got towns playing defense, which is kind of crazy.
1: Yeah.
2: I didn't see that happening, but you know, currently towns is he's showing more effort on, he's not playing defense, but he's showing more effort on defense, which is something I didn't, I didn't expect, but yeah, you know, it, it's, you know, those two, those two moves you just mentioned. And then like, obviously we're seeing with, with uh, Minnesota, it, it's working right now, but we got to see how it works in the playoffs and all that. But, you know, it's, you know, like I said, GMs who are desperate, try to make moves like that. It works for some for, for most, it doesn't. So this is the time, you know, where Atlanta, they can try to patch it up the last few years. And it's finally like, Hey, it is not working out. It is not working out for us. So. But
0: I think that's the best summary of this episode. That Atlanta tried it, Cleveland tried it, Minnesota tried it. So far, it hasn't worked for any of the three of them. No. Oh, the Knicks are going to be the next team to do that. Well, they're not quite ready to make a move, but they do it anyway. Mm-hmm. That, that's kind of what I, I feel like we've talked about in this episode in terms of, yeah. yes, they need to make a move as long as they have 40s contract on the books. But like are they really prepared and ready to do that to get them in the next stratosphere of um
2: yeah and Leon has shown that he's been very patient he hasn't made uh uh, any moves like that that maybe previous regimes would have made I think Donovan Mitchell would have been a Nick if this was the previous regime and all that it would have been guaranteed to have been a Nick and it probably would have gave up so much and and we'd be in the same spot but he's shown the ability to be patient but just because you're patient and all that doesn't mean the ownership is patient and they're going to, you know, you hear a rumbling that your job might be on the line, you know, and you see what Boston's done and you see Milwaukee's done. Milwaukee hit Milwaukee just won a championship a few years back. And they're, they're and, and the honest applied pressure on the franchise. Like, Hey, just because we won a championship a few years back, don't mean nothing. We still, you got to show me that, why I should resign here. Boom. what they do? They go get Dame Leonard. They get themselves a top 75 player, you know? You know, with your 76ers, you know, right? You guys developed, though, your development. You know, I know you guys get clowned for the process, but, you know, you drafted Maxie in the late 20s, and you got yourself an (laughs) all-star. You got yourself a a potential all-NBA player.
0: I feel like for the six. I mean, we struck out on Ben Simmons. We know what happened with
2: Markel Fultz. So, I don't say you struck out on Ben. It's just the ending didn't go as planned. But he was a two-time, two-time All-Star. where you guys all defensive? He should have won Defensive Player of the Year that year. Um, one of those Gold Bear years he won that. it. So I don't think you struck out. It just didn't end. It didn't end. Didn't end so, gracefully. But like you know, there's true. some pick bad picks all over there. But you know what? A lot of teams have bad. But you hit. A home run with mb and that's really all you need <laughs> you yeah, got hit one
0: <laughs> the point of the process was to get a guy like mb championship or it. not, championship or not the process worked because they never would have got an mvp any other way
2: there was no other oh. way there was no other, and like and you know when people say oh the process you always hear people say it's like maybe that's the way you you want it because you you don't hit on every pick you know no. and all but and listen the false thing and all that whatever you know, but you hit on Embiid, and you got yourself a guy who probably should maybe be a three-time MVP and might win back to back this year and got better. He just needs to be healthy. But and you hit with you made up with Maxi getting him late and all that, and you know you got some good role players and all that, so it's working there. But you know um, you you hit you hit and you got Embiid, you got yourself a, a superstar in the making. You know with Embiid and, and Maxi is you know he's gotten better since you know harden's gone and all that so you guys are doing well and all that you know um but if you you gotta you know for the knicks and all that if you if you're not better than those three teams it, it puts you know it puts a lot of pressure on uh fran the uh on the gm and all that so it's gonna be interesting it's gonna be interesting man
1: yeah absolutely
0: so okay, this concludes this episode of the Bird Rights Podcast. As I said, this will be the last episode before the new year. So happy New Year to all listeners! You will hear us again in twenty twenty four. Chris, where could everyone find your work?
2: You can follow me at Off the Ball Pod on uh on Twitter, Twitter X, whatever you want to call it now. Instagram, uh, follow me. Uh, follow my YouTube channel at Off the Ball Network. We do we cover our college football, NFL basketball, college basketball. I also have to Get a Bucket podcast with my co host, uh Kev. You can uh listen to that on any uh podcast platform that you that you want. We'll be doing another episode this week. You will get back ramping up. You know, doing some uh change up a little bit of my podcast, you know, not just doing typical NBA coverage, twitching up, you know, cover trying to cover, you know, career perspectives of some forgotten players, you know, um doing some some uh deep dives on some players that didn't quite work. I'm doing one on Jill for actually that I'm really excited about. You know, doing some deep dives. Why it didn't quite work out for him in the in the league and all that. Kind of, of those type of players and all that. You know, doing some best there never was, you know, um and uh some series on like uh what if series. We're doing one on uh what if Shaq never left uh the Orlando Magic working on that so so changing up the podcast a little bit, you know, um than the typical you know uh, NBA talk uh, that I've usually done. So excited about these projects that are coming. So just check me out off the ball pod, uh, and also on Threads too. You know uh, if anyone's on Threads and all that. So follow me there, man. Appreciate you having me on, though.
0: Yeah, no. Once I saw the trade happen, I was like, yo, I gotta hit up Chris and we gotta do something.
2: I so. appreciate that, man. I appreciate See, that.
0: You guys can follow me on Twitter at the underscore NBA. Or that's NBA You could follow Bird Rights Pod on Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, all that. You know, I'm always posting content. I'm doing a whole bunch of player interviews, both with Bird Rights and with the One and Done podcast.
2: Yeah, some good shows, bro. Some good shows.
0: Thank you. Appreciate that. But um, yeah, so we have a few more player interviews lined up for One and Done in terms of pretty prevalent people in college basketball. So you
1: could be on the lookout for that. And I will talk to you guys next episode. Thanks for listening.